Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 80 how to avoid the bummer life content warning the podcast is called revolting if you find it revolting don't be surprised and don't complain about it we've given you all the clues and hints we can so carry on our wayward daughters and sons and go pick some flowers Holy cow, when we clapped ourselves in, I clapped a piece of dust right into my right eye. Did you see that? <laughs> I did like, <laughs> I could, What I thought was that you hate the way I do this is revolting so much that you were in a full cringe. Uh, no, I think it was like a little floaty that like went right between my face and my hands. And as soon as I clapped it, the, 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 the wind from my hands blew the dust in my eye. I blinded myself clapping, <laughs> clapping us in. <laughs> that is where we are in our lives. Uh, any, any subtle movement is an opportunity for injury. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, got out of bed, hurt my back. Shaving, pulled a muscle in my arm, etc. and so on forever. And it's just going to get worse. That's right. Existence uh, <laughs> is now a risk factor. Um, we were talking... Well, we were having a little like pre-recording chat, but there's a we haven't talked uh, much this week. Although I did, uh, Brittany, your wife was was wondering why I was calling you last Tuesday. I think, and she didn't you say she well, like didn't you guys just fucking talk for an hour? But then I had to call you <laughs> like yes. like an hour later to tell you. She's like, funny. oh, does your little friend miss you? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but I, I wanted to, there's so many things uh, to talk about and we only have so much time, but I talked to, geez, I talked to JC Sip last week uh, after you told me that you'd asked me about some uh, illustration job, which I don't recall ever hearing about. And then I talked with Steve Elms yesterday, uh, Steve Elms, founder of Independent Fabrications and now SJE Productions out of Boulder, Colorado. And he uh, he was in Boulder monkeying around doing work for the Maid Show, which is if people don't know, it's the it's the custom bike show, bicycle show that is will be happening in Portland in August, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. And you, I think I'm going to be there. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. It it seems like I you know I, I my automatic response to like any sort of bicycle related event anymore is just like ah oh, no i'm fine i've yeah. been to i've been to uh 25 sea otters maybe and maybe 30 inner bikes over the course of my life and over i've been to more uh, half as many sea otters as i am actually years old i think and um they just don't really like seeing the people that excites me uh but but going it just seems like a lot of effort that it's like eating, putting a lot of energy into eating a meal. And then you walk away from the meal and you are still hungry. Um, but then when Steve and I were talking about it yesterday, I was thinking, Oh shit, this is, I'm actually kind of, I'm actually kind of psyched about it now. I um, wish that I keep uh, meaning to get the slide whistle from my kid so that every time we have bike content, I can do slide whistle. You just get but, a, little, a little bell and yeah, like Ding. it's an auditory asterisk. Um, I also am sort of looking forward to made. I think it's going to be cool. I, but you know, whatever, cool. Uh, but what excites me about it is that I do work for, uh, some people who will be there in some capacity and, but I don't have to be the prime mover. Right. I'm just like the, I'm like, uh, the, um, 
I'm the Ed McMahon or the Andy. What's his face? I'm the guy. Andy. Andy. Uh, Richter. Richter. Andy Richter. Right. I'm yeah. Andy Richter in this scenario. So that leaves me free to perpetrate hijinks and generally um, bomb around. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. And if you're going to be there and I'm going to be there, I mean, what, what? What, what could go, you know, what could go wrong? I think, yeah. uh, Greg Heath from Donkalope, he, he mentioned that he was going to be there. So I might get a ride down with him. And, um, I was bummed cause I did reach out to Brian Chapman who to my, in my mind is, you know, he was 50% of circle a, uh, out of Providence and now he runs his own gig. I have that correct. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, he he's the most exciting bike builder to me. Like his Instagram feed is unbelievable, unfucking believable, and everything <laughs> he he makes the coolest shit out of nothing. He'll grab a bolt and then mill it down and polish it and file it, and then all of a sudden you've got like a little cable hanger gripper thing. Like he just me he, he made a set of cantilever brakes, and the whole process, the whole video of him making these cantilever brakes was the wildest shit I've ever seen in my life. And he, it's just like, he's, ah, he's awesome. And I was really, really excited to see him, but he's not going until maybe oh. next year. Oh yeah. So anyway, uh, bike show in a few months and, um, I'm excited and also not at the same time, but mostly excited right now, I think, which is, it's kind of a unique sensation for me regarding bike stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. The thing that um, I love Portland, uh, but all the food there is like onion rings inside chicken wings <laughs> in a in a biscuit with gravy on it. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, guys. Portland. I don't know. You know, Portland, it's not a selling point for the city like they don't you're not. You know, you know about strip clubs, you know about dive bars, you know about the bands that come from there or the river or whatever the fuck. But I don't hear people talk about how epic for for a city so far west of the Mississippi. I don't hear people talking about how epic their comfort food is. It's oh like, my God. it's ridiculous. It's like they, it's like their food right. has on the coziest flannel pajamas and like the Sherling line slippers. And then they put another pair of pajamas and another pair of slippers on. That's how comfortable their comfort food is. And it honestly, I'm really psyched about it for the first like half day. And then I spend however long I am after that, like trying to live it down. <laughs> Speaking of JC, I'm like, Jay, where should I eat? JC Zip is uh, events manager at uh, Chris King and his brother Jeremy is a custom builder. Just for the, those of you, we drop a lot of names on this show because we assume everybody, you know, but now that we're like distributed by Disney and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to do a little bit more backstory. Yeah, we got to bring people in into the um, tent, but um Every time I go there, I'm like, Jay, where should I eat? And he sends me to these places that are just like a baseball, like a baseball bat of delicious. Mm -hmm. So I want it, but I'm like, ah, God, I can't. How do you ride bikes here? That's the that's what you have to do in order to offset all of the deliciousness is you have to constantly, you know, be active in the four days of summer that they have. I don't care for that much activity. Oh, it's great. So uh, Portland's going to be cool. Uh, Made show in August, I guess it is. It's going to be cool. I might have uh, some illustration jobs coming up, which is kind of cool because I just feel sort of dead in the water creatively. Um, I have been talking to Corey Blackwood about doing a mural inside of the record store here in Bellingham, and I have an idea of exactly how I want to do it, but I need to... um, I need to like get a scaffolding and all this other shit. And that just seems like way too much energy, but um, yes, yeah, shit's coming up and that's, that feels good. Stuff to look forward to you. You have seen some, you you saw schizophonics after you saw 68 twice, uh, man. The last week has been chock full of music. Uh, Dejuna's going to be here, right? You're going to be in Seattle on the second. So I'm going to get to see them in like two weeks, week and a half. 
And I don't even care. I don't even care about going to shows by myself. I used to feel a little weird about going to shows by myself for some reason. And I don't know why. Maybe because I, my entire life I've gone to see bands with other people. And then it felt weird to go alone. And, I, you know, Christina Sinkovic, she was our friend Christina Sinkovic, who has officially changed her name to our friend Christina Sinkovic. Uh, she went with me in Portland and then Dirty Randy and Drew went with me in Tacoma. So um, I wasn't alone at those, but I did go to Schizophonics by myself. I, no, no. I, I met a, a couple friends met me up, met, met me there. Anyway, I'm just kind of like, I don't go in mass. Like we don't mob a place anymore, you know, but I don't care uh, because I love live music so much and uh, maybe it's a sense of like feeling like you're feeding off of your friend's excitement and vice versa. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Do you I go to see bands by yourself? I do. Um, I do. Not all the time. I have a friend, Josh, who has a band, his own band called Crash Cadet. People could check out. And Josh is pretty down for whatever. Like, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to see this band. Do you want to go? He's like, what do they sound like? Mm-hmm. Uh and he'll listen, like, he'll text me two days later. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm in. Like, he hadn't heard pigs, 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 pigs before. Yeah, I don't know if I got that right. Uh, <laughs> and, but I was like, I'm going to this thing and you need to come because they're going to they're fucking amazing. And he texted me back like an hour and a half later. Yeah, I'm in. So Josh oh. is a pretty good uh, ride or die on those sorts of things. Also, some people go to a show, you know, and they have a, an agenda of sorts like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to look around and see if there's anyone I know. Like, I don't actually give a fuck if there's anyone I know. If I run into you and I say hi, I'm psyched, but I'm not I am totally fine by myself. Mm-hmm. And Josh is also good in that he's like, we're here to have our faces melted and let's just get about that business. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I I think that's I think that's kind of how it shifted for me as well. And what's where do you stand generally? Do you have you found that you have a place that you all are like always gravitate to? Um, in the different bars, I have sp- some specific spots. Yeah, I mean, generally, I'm not in the pit anymore. Uh, because see previous comments regarding injury and, uh, but I'm only five, nine also. So I kind of have to work on sight lines cause I, I really like to see what's going on. What about you? Always, almost always. I realized this a couple of years ago, uh, to the, if you're facing the stage, uh, I don't know, stage right or stage left. If you're on the stage, which is stage right to your right? Or is it stage right if you're facing the stage on the right hand side? No idea. I don't know. I can't seem to get an, an answer to that. Um, so if you know, uh, listeners, you know, mention it in the comments because I can't ever keep it straight. Anyway, if you're facing the stage, I'm always to the right. I'm always on the right side of the stage. Not like far right, but like. Uh, yeah, you know, I like against three the stage quarters. or in that pocket. Yeah, I want to be like, because usually that lines you up with a bass player. Uh huh. Yeah, I like that spot. When I go to the Middle East, that's where I stand. There's a post there, uh, and usually I can lean on the post a little, which helps my old man back. <laughs> Even when it's my favorite band, I'm like, I hope this fucking set isn't more than 35 minutes because <laughs> I'm going to have to do yoga in the aisle over there. There's no, by the way, there's no aisle. When I saw 68, I was, I was on the left side. I was, it was opposite, opposite world of how it usually is. So I was behind 68 being two members. I was kind of behind Josh and facing Nico and then in Tacoma, I was right next to Nico facing Josh. Bummer thing is that the place had a fog, kind of like a fog machine. And my camera does not respond well uh, because I like to use a, a flash with sort of a, I don't know, lower ISO. And um, I always call it kind of like a stuttered flash. So you can get tracers and stuff when it's oh, clear. Yeah. It takes really cool photos in in low light situations. And with the fucking fog in the air, it just everything looked hazy and shitty. So it doesn't know where to bounce. 
Right, right. Yeah. I was a little bummed with the quality of photos from Tacoma, but it was kind of nice to see, you know, from two different, per- to see the same band on two different nights from two different perspectives. But then at Schizophonics, I was on uh, the right-hand side, and I'll probably be on the right-hand side at uh, Dejuna as well, because, I mean, Juna. Did I say mm-hmm. Dejuna? You said it twice. I wasn't going to correct you, because oh, who dick. needs that what, guy? What a, what a Dejik. What a dickhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, Juna, I'm on the, I'll be on the right-hand side because I can see um, the drummer and the guitarist, I think, pretty pretty clearly. Uh, but it also depends on if there's, like, um, you know, a grip of people at the show and it's just a jam-packed fiasco, which it might be. A, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I love a good up. jam-packed fiasco. Do, yeah. Do, do you... Uh, do you intend to do one another hard-hitting interview with Donna Diane from Juno? <laughs> uh, I sure would like to. Um, I was thinking about uh, the Budos Band has a new record coming out next month, I think. Next month or maybe at the end of May. Um, and I want to ask them like, how they coordinate peace stops while touring. Because there's like 27 people in the band. Right. Uh uh, like who has power, who has the, you know, kind of like the power of attorney in that situation, who has the the ultimate call. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, so for folks who don't p- pay any attention, uh, I asked uh, 68 about their dry cleaning bill, which was a one sentence answer. I asked uh, the singer guitarist of schizophonics if he grew up taking uh, gymnastics. Uh, and he said, no. And then he began elaborating. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I just walked, I just walked away. <laughs> I, like the, I like the one word answer. I, that is the interview I want where it's, where it's like a pretty, it, the question is either involved or not, but the answer is like, nope. <laughs> yeah. And he started, he started to elaborate and I was like, he's like, you don't want more information. I was like, no, nah, I can't remember like all of that stuff anyway. So you know, I don't have my dictaphone with me. You had me uh, at no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then I and so today or a few days ago, I started thinking about like interviews that we've done uh, for a fanzine I used to do back in the early early nineties to the mid nineties, and we would ask stupid fucking questions, and they were always like one sentence answers, um, and those were I don't know, those were fun for me. I like the short attention span theater stuff, so yeah, I'll probably I'll figure out, you know, I'll ask them about. Uh, uh, I don't know. What would you What would you be interested in hearing from them as musicians? Oh man, I don't know. When it's just when it's just the one question, I think I think it it requires. Um, and you know, you don't want it to be a real question. Like, what were your influences for this last record? I mean, right. it seems like you were probably yeah. reading a lot of poetry. You can- you can find you can find those interviews with any band on any in any magazine, any fanzine, any website. Yeah. And, and yeah, who cares? I mean, everybody cares. I think and I care. That stuff's super interesting, but that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like, did you ever have any really good friends who are left handed? That would yeah. be a question, you know? Yeah. Were you are you what which which is your dominant hand? Yeah. Even that. Oh, right. Far out. Dope. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the time. Yeah, so I imagine I will. Uh, and then, oh, and then I guess Budos Band will probably be since they have a new record. Oh, and Mutoid Man, they have a new record. The single from which is fucking epic. And so, I mean, I guess that would mean that they might be on tour soon. I just feel like there is going to be no shortage of really good music flying around the country this summer no shortage of single questions with very brief answers i can't wait i'm really into it <laughs> it's it's so dumb but it's so so in that same fanzine i scanned the uh, interview with shannon selberg uh from cows and uh apollo 9 and pdx from rocket from the crypt i did those interviews in 1992 i think uh and had them on the site today but there's an interview with a band from Austin called Baboon, um, which is a little more involved. And there's an interview with uh, Scott Rutherford from Speed Kills. Uh, and that's a, actually that's pretty involved. And then there's an interview with Ricky Powell. I talked to Ricky Powell on the telephone, like the fifth was it fifth Beastie Boy, fourth Beastie Boy. 
He just passed away last year. He's a really interesting character, though. Like, we inter- he's talked on the phone for, like, a fucking hour with this dude. That uh, That is uh, uh, an interesting thing about interviews. I used to um, interview people, and sometimes you think, oh, this person is fairly well-known. They're not going to have time for the- my bullshit. But actually, once you start asking a person for their opinions and, like, asking them about themselves, a lot of them are like... I'll talk about me all day. And so you end up in these really long, you're like, why are you giving me this much time? And they're probably thinking, why are you giving me this much time? <laughs> well, the one thing that you know the most about is yourself. And I think. I don't know if I, that's true in my case, but go on. Well, I, you know, I mean, with within reason, it's always, I don't know. It's like, sure. People want to talk about themselves and people want to talk about their experiences. And obviously we were interested in it. We're interested, I'm interested enough, interested, interested enough in you as an artist or you as a musician or you as an athlete or whatever to like ask, you know, like, like to, to feature you in some way or another, but like the big, long, extensive interviews, I just, I don't know, everybody does those. So why not do the inverse of that and have no information at all that's usable or you know, but uh, it's something that you wouldn't know reading any other interview or maybe even never having a conversation. So if you get the opportunity to have a conversation with a person, I don't know, I think it's fun. So whatever you do. I wish you would ask the guy from cows, have you ever owned a cow or have you ever milked a cow? And he's such a weird dude. Um, I bumped into him in Minneapolis a few years ago and I was just like, I was a little starstruck cause I'd only ever seen him that one time I interviewed him and the, you know, a few handful of times I've seen him play and he is, he's an intimidating figure on stage. He is super intense looking like these like, like bright blue eyes with real dark rings around him. And he like, when he plays, he, you know, it's like he cuts open a blow up doll and wears that for half the show and draw has all these like, really fucked up prison tattoos, some of which are real and some of which he's drawn on himself. Uh, he was really nice to sit and talk with, but then I've seen him in other instances where I was like, I wouldn't, I like, I would cross the fucking street if I saw this dude. Like he's, but you know, like we've had email exchanges or like Facebook exchanges since, and he's very uh, amiable. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on what his whole trip is. Did I, ever tell the story about literally bumping into Lou Ferrigno at a breakfast buffet once? Yes. Uh, okay, Lou good. Ferrigno, I won't tell it the, again. The bodybuilder who played uh, the Hulk on the television show with Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What he didn't you say that he threw you into the pot of scrambled eggs? I wish I wish he had um, <laughs> done that. Um, we were at the scrambled eggs, though. Uh, and I can't, I think one of us was going the wrong direction. I, I think it was him. And, uh, <laughs> when you're Lou Ferrigno, you can go any way through any breakfast buffet line you want to go. Well, most people are just trying to get out of your way. Right. And I mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't like this fucking guy. I'm going to give him one. I wasn't, I wasn't like trying to get aggro with him. I didn't even notice him, which shows you how deep my head was in my own ass at the time. But yeah, he bumped into me and he's deaf. Right. Um, so he said, oh, excuse me, which is sort of how he talks because he can't hear himself. He, you know, he speaks well, but uh, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, Jesus. Like, and then I went back to the table to the people I was with and I was like, I just fucking bumped the Hulk. And he said, excuse me. That's pretty tight. The other thing I wanted to say, going all the way back to when you were talking about being uh, having been to 25 sea otters was I wish that you had to take home a sea otter from every one. And then you had like this whole fucking colony of sea otters that you had to like maintain. And when people were like, oh, Steve, we need you at sea otter again this year. You're like, I have no more room for fucking sea otters. All it is is just it's just like barking and playing with balls in the water. And there's nothing there's no room in my life for me, let alone a 26th physical sea otter. You know what no one thinks about is the quantity of otter shit I have to deal with. Uh, I think you just clean the tanks. Probably I don't think they leave the water to take a shit. 
I mean, I'm no biologist. You're right. As surprising that as that might solved. seem. <laughs> uh, let's get on with the let's get on with the music pick of the week since we've wasted almost a half an hour talking about music. Yes, uh, my okay. music pick of the week is the third record from the Miami Sludge Core uh, band Floor. So Floor is the band that Steve, I'm never going to remember his last name, was in before he was in Torch. Right. Okay. I knew that there was some connection there, but you were, I'm you know, like, I can't keep track of the family trees. Yes. So he, he, I love him. I love everything he's ever done. Um, and he, I, I could be wrong, but I think he is the inventor of the bomb note. Basically what I think, uh, when he was in floor, there was some dispute. I'm it's possible. I'm making all this up. It was, <laughs> There was some question about who was going to play bass or their bass player left or something. And they decided, oh, well, we'll just detune the top strings on our guitars. And so when you listen to floor, they've got this note. It's like it sounds like someone hitting a large cardboard box with a baseball bat. But but it has a note uh, and it's an amazing sound. And it's sort of like specific to them. And so they used it in floor and they use it in torch. I love it so much. This record oblation is good beginning to end. And it's one of those things where you're like, this is noise rock and it's sludge and it's a bunch of other things, but it's also very melodic and listenable. Mm. This is what year. What year did this come out? Ooh early teens okay uh this is actually the type of thing that i say and then my wife says later you said it was melodic and listenable and it fucking isn't i don't know what you're talking about your idea of what's listenable and humanity's idea of what's listenable (laughs) are completely different I'm picking up what you're laying down. So, you know, that really, that's all that matters because we're the only ones in this conversation anyway. I love it. Okay. So you're looking up the year specifically, I think. That's 2014. What you, it looks like you're doing 2014. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not super familiar with either Floor or Torch. Uh, I have some music, but I cer- certainly don't celebrate the catalog as extensively as you do. But I do love a good detuning Yes. And, uh, and it's kind of, you know, like necessity is the mother of invention. You lose your bass player. So what do you do? You fill in that gap some other way. And, uh, I, I have, we have talked about that pretty extensively. It's pretty, it's an interesting topic to me. So I'll check it out. Uh, my record pick is Berserker by the band Scratch Acid, uh, Scratch Acid. It's really hard to find vinyl. And I have Berserker, there's Scratch Acid, and then there's, I think, and then there's Berserker, and then they maybe, then maybe all of the Scratch Acid records got recalled, and then they, and then Touch and Go put out This Greatest Gift, which was sort of like a best hit, or like greatest hits kind of a thing. Um, But uh, it is, of course, David Yao, who later was, is the front person in uh, The Jesus Lizard, and David William Sims, uh, who was also the bass player in the Jesus lizard and Ray Washam, who went on to play drums with Steve Albini and David William Sims in rape man. And it's great. It's great. It's um, I've talked about a lot before, like listening to, I listened to the birthday party when I was young, but I didn't really have, I didn't have much of an ear for it and I didn't have any perspective because I'm 12 years old and I'm just like, I don't know, whatever it's noisy. Sounds cool, I guess. It probably aggravates my parents. Then I didn't listen to the birthday party for a long time. And then probably in high school or my early college, I listened to a lot of Scratch Acid. And then I didn't listen to Scratch Acid for a long time because I got into Jesus Lizard and all this other shit happened. And then I listened to the birthday party again. I was like, holy shit, man. Like, if you like Scratch Acid, you'll love the birthday party. If you like the birthday party, you'll love Scratch Acid. And I can't believe that the birthday party 
and all of the like early Nick Cave shit was happening in like the late seventies. And, you know, and then it was like a direct connection to my ear, obviously not necessarily saying that this is the unilateral truth, but, um, it sounds exactly the same to me or of the same genre or the same flavor or whatever. Um, so yeah, if you like, you know, if you, if you love the Jesus lizard and you want to know a little bit about their lineage, going back and investigating scratch acids output might be of interest to you. I feel like bands like scratch acid birthday party are like old Testament. Those are old Testament books. Oh, in terms of like the, the no, no noise, noise rock or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you yeah, call yeah. It. That's like what, uh, that's, what became. That's part of the original canon, uh, mm-hmm. and then everything else sort of comes out of that. But when you pick a record like Berserker, like, yep, that's people. People who haven't heard it will go and listen to it and go, "Oh, this is where all this other stuff I like came from." Maybe so. Yeah, I think you're. I I don't think that's entirely inaccurate. Uh, and you know, they all like everybody has their influences and their inspiration. But I mean, I remember the first time I heard Scratch, I said I didn't really know what to make of that either. Same, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hot shit. Uh, and there you go, we got floor and we got Scratch Acid. So there's your directive for this week. So with that, let's uh get a word from our sponsor and get on with this shit show. Yep. Revolting is sponsored by the homies at Shimano North America. They're hoping that you bunch of knuckleheads will check out their sweet new road wheels. Have you seen them? At 105 Ultegra and Durace levels, they have carbon disc wheels you can afford that are as well made as everything they make. One thing I really like about them is they're not rolling billboards. They're, they're low key. You know, they're aero, they're tubeless ready. They're all those good things too. Do us and yourself a favor. Give them a look at road.shimano.com. And we're back. So back. Uh, okay. We got three questions this week. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, deep down, you know you're lame. It's because you sit around feeling sorry for yourself or get too wrapped up with trying to be a good adult when you should be acting like a 12-year-old with a better bank account. This episode is about the ways you're screwing your life up and how you can fix that. Again, all you need to do is come here and we've got all the answers. All of them. Uh, Speaking of Old Testament, someday people will look back at revolting and be like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And then... (laughs) And then these two middle-aged yahoos started (laughs) flibber-flabbering their gum flappers. And uh, suddenly I could see the sun clearly. Each individual tree in the forest became clear and beautiful to me. It's like I've been going through life with gauze over my eyes. And then these two, the flipper flabber, jibber, jab, flap, gum, flappers. (laughs) Suddenly I could feel the blood coursing through my veins. It takes a lot. It's a lot of pressure having all the answers. It is. Uh, Question one. You, Swobo. you, Stevel, burst onto the global cycling scene <clears throat> with the How to Avoid the Bummer Life blog for Swobo V2. Was it version two was How to Avoid the Bummer Life? It was, yeah. So tell us the story. Everyone, I mean, some people will know it, but. Well, uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's you know, to, to summarize it as quickly as possible. When I met uh, Rob Roscop with. At Sea Otter, uh, actually, with Jay Mac. Uh, Jay Mac was one of the principals. He was like, I don't know, he's the shipping coordination guy, I guess. He's an old bike messenger, and then he started working with Swobo. So when I was a bike messenger, I met Jay when he was working at Swobo. And then Jay ultimately introduced me to Rob Roscop, who owned Santa Cruz bikes, owned Santa Cruz bikes, started Santa Cruz bikes. And I knew at that point that he had bought the name he wasn't doing anything with it but jay introduced me to rob and we were chit-chatting and i said oh rob probably what you weren't told when you bought swobo was that you get this whole like gaggle of derelicts for free (laughs) and he was kind of like huh 
you know, and then kind of like raises, you know, whatever. It's just that I'm sure if you asked him, he would have absolutely no recollection of that interaction. Uh, but many years later, um, I ended up moving in with my ex and we didn't know, we didn't want to, I didn't want her to move to Oakland. She didn't want to move to Oakland. I didn't want to move to the city. We didn't want, you know, like to encroach on the other space. So we're trying to figure out like a neutral zone to go to. And I found out that I, there was a job available at Santa Cruz, uh, in the assembly department. So upon my initial interview, I think I said, they said, what's your long-term goal here? And I said, well, what I would really like to do eventually is to get Swobo off the ground again. And this is in 2000, fuck, I don't know, four, I guess. I, I'm not entirely sure. My memory's not very good. Uh, and the woman who I was interviewing with was like, well, okay, that sounds like a, she, didn't, she didn't say this, but she was like, oh, that's a terrible idea, but uh, welcome aboard. And eventually I talked to Rob and I said, I want to get Swobo going again. Like I have designs, I've written a bunch of copy and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, you know, but I thought maybe if Rob sees that I'm showing this initiative, uh, he'll like put a little bit of energy towards it. And I called, uh, Parr, who's the guy who founded Swobo. And I, I called him one night and I said, Hey, I want to get this going again. And I'm not necessarily asking permission but like i'd like your blessing and he said well i don't have any stake in it any longer you know go bananas and so i started doing the stuff and then i saw on the bicycle retailer like i don't know a month later or two months later it was like tim parr and rob roscoff are partnering to get swobo going again i was like oh okay well saves me the trouble uh and eventually they asked me if i wanted to do the marketing stuff i was just working in the well i left assembly and i was working in the warehouse uh, doing shipping and receiving and warehouse maintenance and all any other job that needed to be done. And they asked me if I wanted to do marketing. And I was like, sure. I don't know what that means, but give it a crack. So I did that for a couple of years. And then they invited me to not come to work anymore. And I started All Hail the Black Market. And that's the short version. Who specifically invited you to stop coming to work? It was the Santa Cruz human resources person. Oh. Um, it was, there was a, it was a Friday and I remember Parr had driven down from Marin, which is a long fucking drive during commute hours. And he got there in the afternoon and they were like, Hey, we want to have a meeting with you. And they both came in and approached me and I was like, can't today, super busy. <laughs> I took off <laughs> and then, and then he had to come back on Monday <laughs> and they oh, no. sat me down and, and they said, yeah, I was like, I thought that was pretty funny. And they said, and it was like, it was a pretty trying professional experience. Like it was funny because the website, the marketing weblog was called how to avoid the bummer life. And then behind the scenes, it was such I a was bummer. not avoiding. Oh, it was, it was, it was challenging for sure. Um, so uh, when they told me to, that I was uh, allowed to not come to work anymore, I, uh, was like, all right, I grabbed my stuff and, um, went on a ride and I was like kind of bummed, but then it was, it sort of felt like getting dumped by somebody that I didn't want to be with very much anyway. And I had kind of entertained the idea of starting my own thing, you know, somewhere down the road. Anyway, I had the audience, I had the ideas. Um, it just wasn't going to be bankrolled by somebody else. You know, I'd have to figure that part out and was really excited about it. And so, you know, the rest is history. I'm closing in on maybe 14 years this summer that I've been doing this. I want to say three things about the story you just told. The first thing is that you, a Roscop, and J-Mac standing at Sea Otter having this chit-chat, in my mind, each of you is holding a Sea Otter under your arm. That's just how I see it. <laughs> Second... <laughs> I like the idea that um, you were like a tw like a 12 year old going, I want to start swivel again. I want to start swiveling again. And then like mom and dad went and had a conversation. They're like, well, I mean, he really wants to do it. I guess we'll go ahead. <laughs> and then you see in bicycle retailer. Oh, oh, mom and dad are doing swivel. That's what I, I that's how I envision that happening. Um, and then the third thing I want to say, I'm going to blow sunshine up your ass. So if you want to take your headphones off for a minute and not listen to this, that's OK. <laughs> I started reading How to Avoid the Bummer Life before I knew you at all, at all, at all. 
It might have been. I don't even know if maybe I sent you the Guar stolen car story when you were doing that or whether it was later. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I no, can't orient it, it anything was. in time. It was. Yeah. Like you and I had a, uh, that was, that's another thing. If people did, haven't heard the earlier stories, like robot and I had an email uh, relationship for a long time and then he just kind of dropped off. And I was like, I don't know, this guy used to send me really engaging emails and I thought it was, they were really fun and send me good music recommendations and stuff. And then I was like, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Oh, well. And then, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, Patrick and, uh, Cushenberry who started cycling independent asked me if I wanted to do a, a podcast. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess, you know, like I just sort of fall backwards into these projects and then th- you're going to be doing it with this guy robot. And so we probably had recorded like 20 episodes or something. And then you started telling me the the story about getting a s- car stolen from a Guar show. And I was like, holy fuck, you're that guy. Like that whole time. I didn't even know that the person that I was doing the podcast with was the same person that I used to email with and so like if there's any a shining example of just how fucking oblivious i am to everything it would have to be that it might also say something about my own um like when i when we were first swapping emails that was great and then i felt like uh how to avoid the bummer life became really popular and i was like you know what i bet people are emailing him all the time i wouldn't want to be emailed all the time (laughs) I wouldn't want to be reading all this shit, so I'm just going to stop. So I just sort of stopped the relationship because I was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want this. You broke up with me and I didn't even have any say in the matter. I quiet quit our relationship, um, but it's OK. <laughs> I came back later. Lo- love found a way. Um, but what I was going to say about how to avoid the bummer life is that. I think it was probably the first time that I looked into the cycling industry and saw a genuine, like, um, Oh, Oh, the stuff that I'm into is compatible with this because my experience with the bike industry up to that point was like, uh, all about town line sprints and like leg shaving. And it was just a lot of stuff about the industry that I was like, I really like to ride bikes, but, I don't know why these people do it this way. How to avoid the bummer life was like, oh, um, you can go to you can go to a guar show, uh, get your car stolen, and then covered in fake blood, walk to the police station to report the car stolen and have the cops freak out. Yeah, um, that That's is the, those are the stories that are far more interesting to me. Anyway, like I don't, I never. I like I like the history. I like the the legacy. I like the banal minutia of the bike industry, the bike world, and you know, like all that stuff is cool. But I, it's not singular. You know, like the stories about getting the car stolen at a car show. It's because you're a cyclist and you're telling me this story. That's what makes it bike related. You know, <laughs> and otherwise, yeah. the bike. You know, how many times I've been turned down my work has been turned down in for for being for inclusion in bike art shows because my work quote doesn't have anything to do with bikes i'm like i've got almost 30 years working in the industry i've been a messenger i've been a world cup mechanic i've been on the road i've done marketing i've done all of this stuff and how does that mean because i'm not painting pictures of fucking bicycles <laughs> how is it that my work doesn't have anything to do with bikes my whole life is about bikes it's just that i'm not illustrating that through work. and so i just gave up at that point i was like ah oh, fuck it like they can go around and you know b- bike stories and bike this and bike that and everything's got to do with bikes when i don't believe that is the case no i mean i think uh the bike is uh, a character in the larger story but the larger story is much larger and much more interesting and sometimes you go to a guar show and get covered in blood and walk into the police station i would rather hear i would rather hear stories about that i would rather look at paintings done by 
a cycling. I don't know. And also coming, you know, with the skateboard, like coming from the skateboard world where everybody, it seems like everybody's a fucking musician. Everybody's a painter. Everybody's a photographer. There's all this creative energy. And then you go to the bike world and you get like, oh, Jeremy Powers is a DJ. Or, um, you know, Taylor Finney started painting after he got injured a few years ago, but his paintings look exactly like all of John Michel Basquiat's paintings. And, and, and so like, really this is, you know, what else is this landscape just seems kind of, uh, I don't boring for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I think how to avoid the bummer life was the first time where I was like, Oh no, the way I live my life is like a legitimate cycling life it's not that i needed people to be like oh you're allowed to ride bikes and go to punk rock shows uh it's not that i needed that but it was sort of like the first time that i was like oh i'm i'm okay someone at least is representing this other part of cycling culture yeah which is i mean it's all culture it's all it's cycling culture is everything if you really want to like take a step back and look at the blown up blown up picture and it was Mark Dickerson and Dave Strunk. Those two guys single-handedly showed me exactly how I wanted to live. You can be a kick-ass cyclist and you can know everything that there is to know about bikes, but then you hang that shit on the door and you go eat acid at a crash worship show and you can't <laughs> go to work the next day because your legs are too sore. Like that to me is that to me is bicycle culture if you want to, you know. Because because uh, it has to do with bikes. The people have to do with bikes. We got to crash worship on bikes. We ate a bunch of drugs and then rode bikes somewhere else. And it was a and that's the cycling story. Why not? Yeah, no, I buy that completely. And to be clear, I think you know if people who use the word watts unironically and talk about um, things that got learned in wind tunnels. That's also cycling culture. It's just part of it that I'm not particularly interested in. Check. So unless you're unless you're talking about Watts Dixon, I don't fucking care. Right. Watts Dixon. Shout out to Watts Dixon. Revolution Cycles, North Carolina. Nice. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yeah. So that's the story. Uh, How to avoid. Also, the name. I didn't come up with the name. That was a par thing. Um, So props to him for that. And it's funny because I had a like I like long winded names for things. Um, because I, I had a fanzine at some point called a beggar's answer to a question posed. Of course, like you have to take a fucking deep breath before you say the name of the thing. Uh, get off my wagon was another magazine that I did back in a long time ago and how to avoid the bummer life and all hail the black market. It all just kind of like, it all just fits together. Verbose, verbose titles. I... Love it, and I'm in love with it. Question two. In what ways are human people, even your friends, screwing up their lives, and what can they do to unscrew them? It's a big, big question. <laughs> Steve's answer, that's, no. <laughs> no. Uh, that's, I mean, it's kind of subjective. Like, if, you know, p- people are screwing up their lives by, uh, uh, you know, abundance of consumption. Uh, I feel like I... I don't know. Maybe we both have uh, done a pretty good job of uh, surrounding ourselves with people who are are doing are living the best way that they can and are ever trying to forever trying to improve the way that they're existing. Um, It's, you know, between like I'm I'm kind of always sort of between like, well, do I continue to work on myself and do I continue to try to put my best foot forward? And do I continue to try to do all this stuff? Cause that's my nature. But then again, you read about like, Oh, environmental collapse is imminent. And in the next three years, like everything's going tits up. And then, so then you're like, well, do I just fuck anybody who will fuck me and drink and do as many drugs as I can because nothing fucking matters. Or do I continue to live the life that I've been trying to and you know you're not guaranteed it tomorrow but you have to live like there might be one right um you i don't know i don't know it's just this it's this constant push and pull for me and i anyway back to the question i guess i i think i don't think i could 
make that assessment of of humanity because that's too big but the people around me i think they're doing the best they can yeah yeah i think i think my main this is um this is a little dumb to, to say it this way but i think you just can't accept misery you just can't accept misery because death comes to us all Mm-hmm. You know, like you're running out of time. You well, you've, and you personally have between the loss of your dad, your brother, your mother-in-law. Yeah. Like in the last decade, less like much less three years, three and a half years. years. Yeah. You faced a lot of loss and I'm sure being a thoughtful person, you probably have asked yourself more than once, like, what's the fucking point you do you 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 work so hard to build this village to build this house whatever metaphor you want to pick and the flood is always gonna come it is i i have this idea that i call uh positive nihilism (laughs) (laughs) and the idea of positive nihilism is that and this is a thing like both as a as a chronic depressive, you know, I studied philosophy in college like a dill rod. Um, all of the deep, quote, deep thinking I've done is suggest to me that life is meaningless and uh, you're going to be gone and that's just it. And you can. uh you can jump off a bridge over that, but actually, because nothing matters and because the t- the end is coming quickly, it actually gives you free reign to do whatever the fuck is in your heart and mind to do. Kind, but kind of like, you know, like it's it's always if today was your last day on Earth, what would you do? what would you do? And I would I would do. Uh, I'm, I'm no offense, but I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I would absolutely, I, I would absolutely come unhinged if I, if I knew that, like, well, th- there's no repercussion. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna declare the 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 love that I have for the people in in aggressive ways, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but. You know, like I would go, I would go completely berserk, but that's not realistic because there may be a tomorrow. I think we talked about it, an article that Farantino wrote, Mike Farantino wrote a bunch of years ago where it was, it was all about that. Like you have your hair, the way your hair looks, your bills, all of that shit doesn't fucking matter. But at the same time, it absolutely does. And so how do you strike that balance and maintain that balance you know, with how you live. I think, I think you have to try to stay free in your mind is because what happens is life pulls you down these paths, like where you take life too seriously. You take work, work, fucking work. You take work too seriously. And I've done all these things over and over and over again. I have failed at it every six to seven days forever. But life pulls you down this thing, and the thing is to keep your mind free and remember, oh yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Oh yeah. And it's not that Mm -hmm. you're not going to try to do good work. It's not that you're not going to try to do the right things. It's that you can't get too fucking attached to outcomes or perfections or responsibilities even. You know, like, I'm going to, like, show up for my family of course i am but everyone who asks me to do something doesn't own my time um you know you gotta stay free in your mind you gotta remember that like sometimes the cola slurpees are at the perfect spinning rotation speed and the density of cola syrup to semi-stable ice product has reached its apex quality and if you're not there to eat drink that fucking slurpee you have missed out on an opportunity that's not going to come again in your fucking lifetime 
This is a pretty timely topic. I didn't actually know. I read the notes yesterday, well, last week and yesterday, and I <clears throat> I thought, okay, you know, this is probably something I can sink my teeth into, but um, it's come at a really good time because I've gotten back into reflecting on, like, what the fuck happened? You know, like, I had this plan. I had this, I had, I had my forever, you know, and then I, that just kind of went up in smoke. Uh, well, no, that's not fair. It just changed in a way that I wasn't, uh, I couldn't have foreseen. And, um, and so this, the last couple of weeks I've been kind of like, I've been kind of reflecting on, um, I don't know, all of this stuff. And I think I needed today, uh, this conversation is a little bit of a kick in the ass to be like pointed back in the right direction. Uh, so I appreciate that. Maybe it'll even work that way for somebody else. I have another, um, I have all these bullshit ideas like positive nihilism. Uh, another one is the doctrine of radical acceptance and the doctrine of radical acceptance. That's a, that's a thing. I mean, right. That's a thing. That's not just your concept. That's like a, that's a thing. I swear to God, I've heard oh, about that. I've read I mean, about maybe that I'm co-genius with someone else. I don't like, I can't say for sure, but I wrote Explain. a whole. I wrote a whole thing called do, about the doctrine of radical acceptance, and then and it's just dumb. It's the basic idea is everything that has happened and everything that is happening has happened and is happening. Like all the energy you put into trying to revise the past or uh, change the present with your mind is wasted. What you have to do is get to the point where, like, you you watch your brother die of pancreatic cancer, as I had the, the pleasure to do, and you say, this is fucking sad, but this is exactly what's happening right now, and I have to pay attention to this, not wishing that it didn't happen, not wishing that our relationship had been different, not wishing anything were different, but I have to, like, pay attention to this understand how I can love my brother as he leaves this world uh, and take away something positive and useful from this tragedy. That's what it is. Keep your mind free and focused forward. Mm. The anyway. I've talked about meeting. There's a witch. I don't know. She's a, no, she's not a witch. She's an intuitive uh, in Flagstaff a number of years ago named Nita Lipinski. And she was describing, she's like, you are in a torrent, you're in a river and you are absolutely fucking killing yourself trying to swim upstream. And the sooner you kind of relent and just let the current take you to where the current's going to take you, the sooner you're not going to be being be beaten up on the rocks and the sooner you're going to get to calmer waters. Like I always think about like, yeah, you can struggle against what's happening and you can kick and scream. But the reality is <clears throat> just like you just said, what's happening is what's happening. You can voice your opposition to what's happening and you can say that this is not what I wish to be happening. And you know, if that'll affect some change, that'll affect some change. But if not, then, you know, especially in a situation like you had with your brother where there, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't scream pain, pancreatic cancer away from somebody. You can't, you know, stomp your feet and tantrum nope. the cancer away. And, uh, okay. Doctrine of ra radical acceptance. I like it. I'm going to have to Google that. Cause I swear to God, I've read the, read those words or I've read, story a story or heard a podcast about radical acceptance and maybe it varies or differs from from yours but i like i like the concept and it's fun to say yeah so, it is fun to there say. we go um, uh, mostly i just think of the, the names and the titles and then i write the thing i'm like oh that sounds <laughs> neat we're closing in on an hour so uh <laughs> Your would you rather made me think of another would you rather. So we're going to do two would you rathers rapid fire style this week. Uh, this mine is going to take a little bit because it. it's, there's some interaction that has to take place, but would you rather play nine holes of golf every day for a year 
or be the sound guy for Taylor Swift's world tour. Uh, sound person. So I'd be I have sound some person. friends. Taylor, Taylor Swift yes. is on tour right now. Uh, she was just here in the Boston area, and I know some people who took their daughters. And what I learned was that Taylor Swift plays a 44-song set. Good Lord. Yeah. <sighs> That's a lot. It's a lot of Taylor Swift and a lot of screaming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sound person, you probably got, you know, you got like a headset and really all you'd just be doing is listening to Taylor Swift songs and making sure that the mixes were right. I'd be cool with that. It's not like being a roadie, yeah. you know, where it's like you're the last person, you're the first person off the van and you're the last person back on the van or you're doing, you know, or doing fucking setting up the stage or whatever. Like you're the sound person. You get there, you probably plug some, actually, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but you probably just like get there, the mixing board set up, maybe you put, <laughs> adjust some levels, plug some shit in, you do sound check, you go out and have a nice dinner, you come back, stand there for 44 songs, she drops the mic, you drop the mic, you go back for a bath in a terry cloth bathrobe. Yeah? Hmm. Seems reasonable. Yeah, I guess but I golf, buy that. I hate golf so much. I don't much. give a shit about golf. <laughs> it's probably good exercise and you're just out like walking yeah. around with your friends nine holes is kind of fun my wrists are fucked up so i don't know like i don't think like when you have bad wrists i don't think golf is super good for you either but when else are you I gonna get I to travel nine holes of golf every day it's a good point yeah. that's a good point yeah. the travel is a good point i think if i was playing nine holes of golf every day i would walk out on the course and i would just hit the ball in it in various directions eventually i would just get tired of the actual game and i would just be hitting the ball driving the ball in random directions yelling for just creating yes. chaos on the golf course that's the one time i've played nine holes of golf i think i was in wawona california up in the sierras and we played golf it was dusk we played nine holes and i think i shot like an 81 I think I, I blew through like $200 worth of golf balls just because I'm fucking terrible at it. <laughs> I don't really have the budget for the golf balls, that many golf balls either. Um, so we both are going to be Taylor Swift sound yeah. person. Uh, okay. Think of Ooh. the two worst, two worst bands you can think of. Two, this is one of my favorite Would You Rathers. Like who are your two least favorite bands? Okay. Uh, you're Creed. asking me that question right now? Yeah. You got Creed, you got Limp uh, Biscuit, you got uh, fucking, you know, Sugar Ray, you name it. Oh, Sugar Ray is a good call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a Sugar Ray song. I was at the, the grocery store is fucking destroying me lately with their soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lots of Sugar Ray and Paul Abdul. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> the um, okay, so the two worst bands I can think of. Yes. Okay, what are they? Uh, well, I'll I'll go with uh, shit. So many. I'll go with Spin Doctors and Sugar Ray. Okay, Spin Doctors or Sugar Ray, they get a hold of you. Their management companies get a hold of you, and they say, "Hey, robot." We have a, a year-long world tour. You have to play. We're probably 300 and th how many days are there in a year? 352 days. We're going to do 340 <laughs> dates. And would you like to play guitar for the Spin oh. Doctors for 340 dates? Or would you play guitar for Sugar Ray for 340 dates? And all you got to do is just go sound check, play the show. But you have to listen to a full Sugar Ray set. Or a full spin doctor set, three hundred forty dates. Oh my good god! It melts my brain to think about it because, like, <laughs> I, I I play guitar, albeit badly, but so I'm 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 like really you know I can see myself there, and then you're on stage, right? So you can't just act like an asshole. You kind of right. have to like, you have to kind of do the thing, but good Christ. Uh, uh, 
Uh, and you get, mind you, you know. get paid, you get paid and, you know, comparatively, like you get paid whatever a studio guitarist would get paid and whatever other fucking royalties or, or bonuses that you might think, who do you, and you're traveling with these people in a van or a bus, you know? So like, do you think you get along better with the people in Spin Doctors? Yeah. Or do you think you get along better with people in Sugar Ray? Personally, in that scenario, I definitely go with the Spin Doctors. Same. Seems like they have a, a more fun crowd. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it they're nicer way. people. <laughs> you know, I didn't. And so I was like, I, I can't remember. I think who's the, what is, who the, is, huh? The butterfly band, you know, that like, you could do you, this all day, like smash mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the butterfly, the guy, he's like, he's all fucking crazy toothless. Town? Crazy town. Yeah. You'd be, I'd be probably crazy town is probably one of my least favorite bands. And then, um, oh God, there's, well, fuck. I, yeah. So like I've, I've done this like with tons of, I've done this question with tons of people and, uh, it, it never gets any easier. And there's a million bands that I don't particularly care for. Not that they're terrible bands or terrible people. It's just music that is not my cup of tea. And, uh, it's kind of, it's just a fun, you know, scenario, whatever. What I can tell you from being in bands, playing guitar in bands myself, is that I haven't even enjoyed playing my own music that consistently. <laughs> so <Right>. I can't <laughs> playing someone else's shitty music. Sounds like real work. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that's something for you to chew on for the rest of the day. Uh, okay, we're in minute five. Uh, so yeah. we'll wrap this shit up. Thanks for listening to Revolting, everyone. If you want to throw a couple bucks in the tip jar, head to the web store at the Cycling Independent website. If you don't want to, uh, well, don't ask us if we'll help you to move because we're obviously obviously not friends like that. Nice work, Robot. Thank you for everything. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened. So on behalf of Cycling Independent and the Revolting Poet Podcast, I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget the second.